0: You are listening to the Gospel Project for Adults Weekly Leader Training. Welcome to this week's episode of the Gospel Project for Adults Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This is Daniel Davis. This week we are looking at Unit 18, Session 4, titled, A Confessing Community. In Nehemiah 8... With the people of Judah assembled together, we saw that God's people had begun to weep as they heard the words of the law read by Ezra. Obviously, they were realizing the gravity of their sins and the sins of their forefathers. But Ezra interrupted their time of consideration of sin because it was actually a time of festivity, a time to celebrate God, who is always faithful and always keeps his word. And because God's word is supreme, being the holy word of the only sovereign Lord of the universe, they obeyed. They rejoiced, feasted, and shared what was needed by others, so they too could join in the joy. But when the festival was over, and the booths had been put away, and the people returned to their regular routines, the tug of conviction remained strong. The people still needed to repent of their sin, so they gathered together once again around the platform, heard God's law read, and confessed their sins and worshipped the Lord. Then the Levites voiced a communal prayer for the people of Israel that recounted the mighty and gracious works of the Lord in contrast to the sinful works of his people, both past and present. In this way, they confessed their sins and blessed the Lord their God. Our task in this session is to focus on three passages of this prayer that will help us better understand what is involved in the act of confession of sin. If your group members keep up with their readings in the Daily Discipleship Guide this week, then they will read through this entire prayer in the days leading up to your group time. This would be time well spent, so you might email, text, or call your group members and remind them to keep up with those readings. As a matter of note, this prayer may well be one of the last passages recorded in the Old Testament, along with the concluding chapters of the book of Nehemiah. This prayer gives a glimpse of the Israelites' perspective on their own history, which recounts the amazing grace, compassion, and patience of the Lord, juxtaposed with the arrogance and repeated disobedience of the people over the years of their exodus, conquest, kingdom, and exile. If you want a quick shorthand of the Old Testament story, Nehemiah 9 serves it up well, from creation to exile and return, along with a humble and theological assessment of our good God and our sinful penchant as fallen human beings. In point one, we look at the beginning of this prayer and see that confession begins with a proper view of God. Who is God? He is the Lord, the only God. He is the creator of everything and the faithful covenant maker and keeper, as is evidenced by his choosing of Abram and fulfilling his promise to Abraham of a land, a people, and a worldwide blessing. The first question in your leader guide associated with this point, which is also found in the Daily Discipleship Guide, serves as an opportunity for your group members to reflect upon all that we have studied from the Old Testament up to this point in the biblical storyline. Who has God shown himself to be in scripture? Again, the creator, the covenant maker and keeper, but also gracious and compassionate, patient and slow to anger, a deliverer and a provider, one who judges and one who forgives. Our God is truthful and faithful He has shown us these attributes in Scripture, and no doubt we have seen these very attributes of God in our own lives, which the second question in this point gets to. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Who He has revealed Himself to be in Scripture is who He is in our lives, and it is to this holy, good, faithful, forgiving, and righteous God that we confess our sins. In point two, we see that confession acknowledges the reality of sin. This prayer has an ebb and a flow to it through a couple of cycles. In the first cycle, beginning with verses 5-15, through we get a crescendo of the greatness of God in his works of creation and the Exodus. He gave his law through Moses, and he provided bread and water for his people in their first outing into the wilderness, as he led them by a pillar of cloud and fire to the edge of the promised land. And then the Lord told the people to go into the land and take it. But they didn't obey. Though the Lord had proven himself sovereign and caring, all-powerful and kind, the Israelites' ancestors chose to act arrogantly and refuse the Lord's commands, even choosing to appoint a leader to take them back to slavery in Egypt. In this historical accounting of Israel's sin, we find an illustration and description of all our sin. An arrogant refusal to obey the Lord in favor of the slavery of sin and death. Logically, it makes no sense. After all the Lord had done for his people, after all the demonstrations of his power and provision, how could they refuse him? But if we're honest, experientially, we all know the scenario all too well, because their story is ours. Their choice is ours. And were it not for the fact that God is a forgiving God, gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in faithful love, we would all be condemned to suffer the fate we deserve with every single arrogant and disobedient choice we make. But the good news of God, the good news of the gospel, is that God does not abandon his people even when they are unfaithful. The reality of sin is that it doesn't make sense. Sin is a rejection of the one true God who alone made us and takes care of us. And if we are to confess our sins, then we ought to understand just how shockingly offensive our sins are against the holy God in whose image we have been made. But neither can we ignore the character of God to forgive those who repent and to remain faithful to those who are faithless. Which brings us to our next point. In point three, we come to understand the purpose of our confession of sin. Confession humbly seeks pardon and restoration from the Lord. If sin is a rejection of God, then confession of sin must be a recognition of who God is. Verse 32 describes God as the great, mighty, and awe-inspiring God who keeps his gracious covenant. While the Lord has the means and the justification to condemn his wayward people, He remains faithful, merciful, and gracious. He is perfectly righteous in His punishment and discipline of sinners, and our confession of sin must recognize the Lord's holy actions to confront our wicked actions. The Lord, in His love, grace, and mercy, sends people and circumstances to arrest us in our sin so that we would seek Him out to find the pardon and restoration He readily offers to repentant sinners. But it must be noted that true confession is more than mere words. It is a turning. In the words of verse 35, true confession will be accompanied by a heart that turns from its wicked ways to serve the one true God. And such a heart is readily and eagerly accepted and forgiven by the God who desires that none should perish, but that all would come to repentance. In the book of Nehemiah, the leaders of the Israelites confess the sins of God's people, trusting the Lord to respond according to His righteousness and faithfulness. Such confession cannot be made with a sense of presumption, as if God owed us. But it should be made with a sense of faith that the God of the Bible, who is gracious and forgiving, will be the same God today as He was then. When we confess our sins and trust in Jesus, we have confidence that God responds by providing forgiveness and eternal life with Him. As 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because all sin is a reproach to God and harms us and others, we believers should confess our sins on a regular basis, knowing and trusting that we are completely forgiven in Christ. And on account of the truth of God's Word and our experience of restored fellowship with God through the gift of the Holy Spirit, We should then seek out sinners with whom to share the good news of Jesus, so they too may repent, confess their sins, and trust in Jesus for salvation and eternal life. And for their salvation and ours, let us praise forever the great, mighty, and awe-inspiring God who keeps His gracious covenant. Thanks for listening to this week's leader training for the Gospel Project for Adults. For more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.